Hello and welcome once again to all you folks out there in the great wide sea of humanity. It's Sam Thayer here one last time with a final message from Dr. Jules Tranquillo on the art, science, and sunny prospects of going invisible. As I was going through Doc's books after his death, this handwritten afterword, my name for it, not his, fell out of a copy of Ralph Ellison's novel, Invisible Man. Although not included in Doc's How to Go Invisible manuscript as I found it, this piece seems clearly written in the same spirit with the same intent and happens to serve admirably as a closing statement. I therefore take this liberty as his closest friend and student to leave you with these words as his final legacy. Imagine an enormous map of the United States of America, says Doc. Widely celebrated as the most powerful nation in history and the greatest democracy the world has ever known. Imagine that map's familiar contours, illuminated by 320 million tiny pinprick lights on a dark background clustered in some regions into bright, solid masses, sprinkled like fairy dust over other areas, here and there wholly absent, where lie great lakes and mountain ranges. Then, as you watch, imagine a scarcely detectable pinprick here and there going dark two or three out here, out there, hardly noticeable, faint flickers, blips maybe imagined. But it happens again while you watch, more blinking out, another, another. As you observe, many more among the millions vanish. Speeding up the passage of time, reveals thousands upon thousands of pinprick lights going out, thinning the solid areas as some less populated regions fade to gray. What you are imagining are the people of America going invisible, starting with but a few, expanding until all over the nation more and more citizens opt for invisibility to escape intolerable cultural angst. They withdraw their attention and their consent from econoculture's expectations. They say no more to the relentless competition and no thanks to being special. They blend and merge and conspire to be ignored. It's as if they were going on strike for better living conditions. The true Atlas's shrug. Imagine the impact of millions withdrawing their consent from the commercial and political and antisocial madnesses of econoculture. 
Once a certain critical mass is reached, which is a sum not yet calculated, econoculture can no longer continue business as usual. Too much light extinguished, a neo-dark age, production and consumption both disrupted. Things fall apart at the highest levels. Change must come. This scenario, sad to say, strikes me as highly unlikely. To imagine such widespread diffusion of invisibility is to grossly underestimate the irresistible power and allure of econoculture and indulge in wishful thinking. Still, there ought to be a place for wishful thinking in this world, even if econoculture assigns it no value. Just as rockets must achieve a critical velocity to escape the Earth's gravitational pull, so must our people experience a critical heartbreak of disillusionment with econoculture to resist its pull and wrench themselves free of its cruel hooks in their flesh. We invisibles brace ourselves for the possibility that conditions must deteriorate further, much further, to reach that critical mass of widespread disgust when invisibility might come into its own as a widely preferred way of life. A majority of our people remain loyal, enthusiastic participants in econoculture's consumer carnival. They absorb their daily six to seven hours of soaps and sports and commercial messages and then go shopping to squander yet more precious life attention on will-o'-the-wisp ephemera. Their boundless adoration of super athletes and reality show stars and pop singers and film idols recapitulates the ancient Greek worship of half-human Olympian demigods and demigoddesses. That critical heartbreak of disillusionment has not yet touched them. They are starstruck and cannot be deterred. It is best not to try. It just riles them up. Invisibles leave them alone and quietly go their own way. Most common everyday ordinary folks who we discovered on our dive to be far more varied and vital than we'd been led to believe, are in fact never actually floating fathoms beneath econoculture, but rather find themselves immersed to their naked eyeballs every day in that surface foam up there. If they are not among the rabid fans, which is incidentally short, for fanatics. They may at least be casual admirers or grudgingly going along to get along. It is very hard not to be drawn in when winning and losing are presented as the only options. 
Here is where many invisibles, I am one of them, believe we can most effectively fulfill our social responsibilities while remaining ignored and unnoticed. Keeping our focus strictly local, we demonstrate as best we can to our brothers and sisters near the breaking point how they can sidestep that false win-lose choice. One-on-one, with discretion and on the sly, we help them deflect the pull. It's what mentors do for fellow alcoholics without exchanging last names. Show them an alternative. Be there for them. Teach them to go invisible. Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man, in his book by that title, learns to transform a condition of submission imposed on him from without into a condition of restored humanity conferred by his own deliberate choice, whereby he can be in control of his invisibility rather than a helpless victim of it. Getting to that point took years of disappointment and loss, ending in a long spell of hibernation, going physically invisible underground to heal and prepare himself psychologically and spiritually. Underground, he forged his attitudinal self-defense, his diving suit. At the end, as he prepares to resurface, he decides Quote, I've overstayed my hibernation, since there's a possibility that even an invisible man has a socially responsible role to play. Unquote. All invisibles I have ever known, even those converted to absolute non-participation, have found a socially responsible role for themselves, and for most of us, that role is not political. It need not be political. In fact, despite all the patriotic appeals to our civic duty, it is arguable that politics may very well not be our best means of effecting significant lasting change. Abraham Lincoln, a masterful politician, understood the profound truth that In his words, public sentiment is everything. With public sentiment, nothing can fail. Without it, nothing can succeed. He who molds public sentiment goes deeper than he who enacts statutes or decisions possible or impossible to execute. Unquote. This bears repeating. Again, he who molds public sentiment goes deeper. There is solid evidence that iconoculture influences politics far more than politics influences iconoculture. If it is true that we have traded the Cold War for the culture war, then we should recognize that political activity is not the place to settle this one.
agriculture cannot be legislated, as we noticed during Prohibition. It therefore stands to reason that changing econoculture by cultivating disillusionment from within is a better investment of our limited resources than wasting time and treasure on an already bought and sold so-called democracy. That can come later. In our experience, only one thing changes econoculture, and that is when enough people, having become disillusioned with its overpriced and overrated charms, withdraw their attention and their consent and opt for something else. Withdraw your consent. Put your precious attention to better use. Go invisible. For more on Going Invisible, visit howtogoinvisible.com. All one word, no spaces.